Some of you will be aware and some of you won't that our church has just been going three months, so this is our first dedication. And so I was sort of thinking this morning, I feel a little bit like a wedding. You know what I'm saying? You suddenly sort of feel like, oh golly, who do I speak to this morning? Part of me thinks, oh, I want to speak to the the three families and say, oh, come on, this is what we believe about family. And then I'm also aware there's guests that are sitting in on these kind of stuff. I I feel I've got three things that I'd like to say about families. I'm going to speak about family this morning. Uh, You can say anything they say with statistics, can't you? I worked out today that I've got 46 years of experience of being a parent. I have a 17-year-old, a 15-year-old, and a 14-year-old. So I thought, well, I'll add that up, and and hopefully that puts something on my side. I know I've done those together. The reality is that most of us would just suddenly think parenting is a huge responsibility, but a huge privilege. And how do we get the two of those things together? What I love about the fact that as a church, we believe in the Bible, and we believe that it's got things to say that would help us today. I'm going to read a few verses. It will come up here on the screen from Psalm 127. It says this, Sons, I believe it means sons and daughters, are a heritage from the Lord. Children, a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. I love this. You know, what the Bible is saying is that actually children are a gift from God. And I think you can look at that, can't you? You look at Sophia and your grace and you think, man, they're just such a wonderful gift from God. In another translation of the Bible, it does literally say that children are a gift from God. Babies are a reward from him. Some of us here, if we're honest, there are many of us that say, oh, yeah, I'm a parent as well. I hope to be a parent one day. You know what I'm saying? You think, golly, I, I thought my parenting days were over. My kids are 44, and they still cost me more than ever before. You never stop being a parent. I think, how do we think about it? I, I would want to say my first thing this about family, enjoy your kids. Enjoy your kids. Delight in them. Sometimes I think the danger is that when they've had you up four times in the night, you know, another feed, or they've been sick, or let's be honest, if they're teenagers and, and the door just shut a little bit louder than was necessary, but they weren't cross with you, it just happened. Or you, you brought another pair of school shoes for, you know, 50 quid and you think they're only lasting half a term. It's very easy to lose our joy in parenting. Dare I say this, I think those that are first-time parents, I, I put myself, when, when I had Josh, we can get very nervous about it. I remember when Josh was born, I photographed everything. You know, yeah, I can't wait until his wedding. I've got a picture of his first nappy being changed. I've got a video of his first bath. You know what I'm saying? I've got a photo of the first time out in the pram. That that was for Josh, not for me. You know what I'm saying? Everything we did, we photographed, we recorded. and, And it's almost we got very intense about it. By the time I had number three, I've lost count how many times I've lost the child. You know, kids bounce more than you realize, don't they? And I think that this is it. Sometimes we just got to think, actually, how do I really enjoy having kids? Think back for a moment about your own childhood. Now, I know for different people it will be different things, but I think back to mine. My brother had a chopper bike. I used to just love riding out on a bike. 
I think there's so many happy memories of my child. We used to have a skateboard. There's no health and safety in those days. You know what I'm saying? You just ride down that road and you think, I haven't got a clue how this is going to stop. But it was just such fun, wasn't it? You know? I think I want my kids to have memories like that. I'd like your kids to have memories like that. So I, I even think now about having time with my own kids. We used to, in, in my last house, we used to have a trampoline in the garden and we had these big boxing gloves. I wouldn't do it now because my kids are big enough and they'd hurt me. But at the time, I felt like, you know, we could box on the trampoline. It was just fun to get We spent hours just enjoying it. I've uh, made a point of taking my kids camping. And we've always had this rule. What happens at camping stays at camping. That's because I never take my wife on the camping trip. You know, chocolate at midnight, I mean, that's just the start of it. And I can only give the talk because she's out helping on the kids this morning. You know, but there's this thing, actually, what I want to do is I just want to build some memories together. If I could say some advice to the three parents here this morning, it would be this. Enjoy your kids. They're a gift from God. Enjoy your kids. They're a gift from God. Now, this might seem a bit bizarre, but I think if we're really going to enjoy it, we've got to plan it. What do I mean by this? I think we've got to plan how we're going to show love to our kids. I know that often this is unseen. I know often it means washing and ironing and cooking and cleaning, and they don't see it. But actually, I think there are ways that we can plan to show love which can be seen. Be affectionate. I read this this week. We need four hugs a day for survival. We need eight hugs a day for maintenance. We need 12 hugs a day for growth. Now, as you can tell, we're a touchy-feely kind of church. I was going to get you to turn around and hug someone, but, you know, I'm not quite going to go there. But actually, why not? You suddenly think, do we really give enough hugs to our kids? Do we really express our love towards them? Even teenagers, they'll always say, oh, get off. But they like it, really. Well, I think they do. You know what I'm saying? When the black eye's gone down, I think, I'm sure my kids really enjoyed that tactile time together. Show love by spending time with your kids. Sometimes I think we have this discussion, oh, it's not quantity time, it's quality time. I would say you only get quality time with your kids by spending quantity time with the kids. I think our danger is that we can try and dive it in and say, oh, actually, what I'm going to do is I'm going to have this hour. I'll be honest, I used to be like that. I think, well, I'm just going to have an hour with the kids, and I suddenly take them out for McDonald's milkshake and think, oh, it's going to be quality. And what I used to find is some of the times that you don't get the quality until we've been there for three hours. I think enjoy your kids. Spend time with them. For kids, love is spelled T-I-M-E. Love is spelled T-I-M-E. I read again this week, reading around for this, your kids need your presence, i.e. being with them, rather than your presence, the gifts that you give to them. Let's be honest, as parents, sometimes we've done that, haven't we? We feel a bit guilty, and so what we do is we try and buy him something nice. Oh, I've had a really busy season at work, so oh, I'll, I'll buy you something nice for Christmas. Try and justify it. What they really want is, is to be doing stuff with us. I know this will cost me dear by the time I get home, because I always get in trouble with my kids. But my, my oldest, Josh, he, he loved doing stuff with me, like two, three. I'm assembling furniture 
you know, he's so interested that as I turn the screwdriver like that, I'm knocking his head every time my hand goes around because he wants to be involved. Do you know what I'm saying? He wants to be connected. Now, as they get older, they've got to set the agenda. It's no longer just up to, to us. So my youngest son's now got a paper round. So I think, well, let's leave. I'm going to spend time with him. Every Saturday morning, I go out on his paper round. And, you, and my wife always says to me, you're just soft. And I think, yeah, probably. But actually, what I know is every Saturday morning, I've got some time with him. And every Saturday morning, we could just talk together. And I think we've got to express love to our kids, enjoy our kids by spending time with them. I would want to say this. This is all point number one. Yeah, I'm just trying to slip in a few illustrations. Enjoy your kids. They're a gift from God. Be available. Be available. Sports days, birthdays, school concerts, even when they're young and they won't remember, you're not doing it for them. You're doing it for you. Because what you're doing is you're putting in a priority to say you matter. I used to think, oh, come on, look, they're two. They won't really appreciate it. You know what I'm saying? No, actually, what it does is I've said I'm committed to my kids. Many of you would have heard the saying, no one on their deathbed said, I wish I spent more time in the office. We've got to be those that give time to our kids, that we're available to them. I've realized my wife is better at this than I am. So when it's bedtime, she would go up, you know, she'd stroke their face, she'd pray with them, she'd read them a story. And when it was my turn to put them to bed, I'd just say, bed. <laughs> And I just think, oh, Pete, why did you miss out on the opportunity? But I think that's what it is. You've got to take the time to connect. Not just to connect, to really communicate. Communication is important. I read this week, a father's words are like a thermostat that sets the temperature in the house. What you speak, dads, I'm speaking to you, what you speak sets a temperature. It's very easy for us to think, oh, I'm the quiet, strong male type. You know what I'm saying? I don't say a lot. But actually, I think we're going to be great dads. We've just got to learn to talk. We've got to learn to really communicate. We've got to learn to put down the phone, not do the next email, not worry about the text, but just have time to connect. And when I say that, it's not just communicate information. It's communicate feelings. It's an investment. This is why I would still say, if you really want to enjoy your kids, point number one, I'm still on, family is there to enjoy. They're a gift from God. Eat together. A family that eats together stays together. Turn off the TV. Ask a question. What's the best thing you've done today? What have you learned today? What have you most enjoyed today? If you could do today again, what would you change? Anything. I found that as my kids get older, we still love eating together. In fact, it's probably the thing we enjoy doing most. So even as teenagers, if I say, oh, come on, let's all go out for dinner together, they think, great, I'm in. And I think, thank God for Tesco's, because Tesco vouchers just cover being a parenting well. You know what I'm saying? You think, great, okay, where should we go? But actually, what it means is you've got half an hour driving there, you've got half an hour driving back, a couple of hours for a meal. It's good to eat together and talk. It's good to play games as a family. Kick a ball around the park. Hunt in the dark. That used to be our family favorite. You can only do it in winter. You've got to close all the curtains and you hide. And somebody comes around the dark house with a torch. 
And, and obviously, if you're a parent, you know, and you just need five minutes peace and quiet, you don't look too carefully too quickly. I admit that one. You know what I'm saying? Go on, off you go. I'll come. Right, just have a quick cup of tea. <laughs> Then I'm coming with this torch and they're hiding away, you know, and there's obviously by the time you get this squeal with delight, you think it just builds memories. Play games together. When they're young, let them win. When they're teenagers, see if you can win. You know what I'm saying? We've got to engage in games together. I think it's really important with our kids to create memories. Sleeping in the garden, birthday parties. My wife's always been brilliant at birthday parties. So Ashley, how do we make it? When I, I used to live in Camberley, we had somebody from the army that was in our church. And it was my son's fifth birthday, so we did an army party. And what was great is no parents were allowed because we didn't get passes for them to get onto the army barracks. So bless them, all these parents turned up with their five-year-olds and this sergeant, he was a sergeant, lined them all up and marched these five-year-olds in. And the parents are going, they're going to be all right? <laughs> well, I hope so. <laughs> what are you going to do there? Tanks, you know what I'm saying? But suddenly it made this memory. I remember his, uh, another birthday party we did up in Ryslip Woods. And it was like we're going on an adventure in the woods. And we lined up these 10 six-year-olds, I think it was by this time, and said, you can only come into the birthday party if you climb a 50-foot tree. And they all go like that. And I said, that one's fallen over, walk along it. So they all walked along the tree. And then I said, there's one other thing you've got to do. You've got to eat a, eat a worm. If you eat a worm, you can join the party. If not, you can go home. And these kids are looking around, and I pull out a bag of worms. You know what I'm saying? And they would have to eat a worm. Sugar worms, yes, sweets. Okay, those that are missing the translation. But it creates memories. I read this poem this week, and this could be you here. If I had my child to raise all over again, I'd build self-esteem first and the house later. I'd finger paint more and point the finger less. I would do less correcting and more connecting. I'd take my eyes off my watch and watch with my eyes. I'd take more hikes and fly more kites. I'd stop playing serious and seriously play. I would run through more fields and gaze at more stars. I'd do more hugging and less tugging. I would say to these three parents here today, enjoy your kids. Kids are a gift from God. Point one, that was it. Point two, it says in Mark, uh, Mark, and this is in the New Testament, Mark chapter three, I'm just going to read a couple of verses from there, and verse 31. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers? he asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. What's my point here? Think a big family. You know, don't stop at one. Think big. My daughter and I enjoy watching the program 15 and counting, yeah? I'm not saying that's a word from God to you. I'm just saying think about it. 
I don't know if you've seen the television program, 15 and counting. They take the kids to school in the minibus. You know, they do five lots of washing a day. Am I really saying, Leanne, you've got to pop another two? I'm not quite saying that. What I'm saying is this. If you're a Christian, you're actually part of two families. You have the biological family, which is one, and you have the church family, which is two. We are children of our parents, and as Christians, we are children of God. I was born into a Christian family, I guess like the three kids that we've got here today. That did not make me a Christian. I remember at a point in my life, I went to a meeting, and somebody talked all about the good news of Jesus, and they said, you can come and know Jesus for yourself. And I thought, I would love that. And so I remember praying, Lord, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong. I'm glad that Jesus died in my place. Would you please forgive me? And I would say that's when I joined the family of God. And that's what I pray for these kids that we've dedicated this morning. In fact, I pray that for any here that you think, well, actually, I don't normally go to church. I don't think I know God. Then I would say you could become part of the family of God. You see, As Christians, we don't just want to think a small family. We want to think a big family. Because I think that's what the Bible pictures. It says in Ephesians 1, this is Paul writing to a church, in love, this is God, predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. So the way he talks about being a Christian is that you're adopted. I've got, um, we've got three adopted children in our family. My brother's got three. I think you know, they're part of the family. You know what I'm saying? They're in. They're with us. We celebrate birthdays. They've got our surname. That's what it's like. They're, they're, they're part of the family. Paul says that's what it's like to become a Christian. It's like you've been adopted into the family of God. In fact, he says in the book of Romans, the spirit does not make you slaves so that you live again in fear. Rather, you're adopted to become sons of God. What he's saying is, by him, we cry, God, Abba, Father. So what we come to today is not some God who's some accountant in the sky. He's just really pernickety and gets everything done correctly and efficiently. We come to a God in heaven who's our Father. That's what the Bible talks about, the big family, the church family. In fact, it even says when he's writing to the church, uh, he writes in 1 Timothy 3.15, um, God's household, which is the church. And so very often we even say that, oh, we think the church is like a family because we believe it's a picture that's in the Bible. That's why we gather together and some of you turn up at 10 and you think, I've oh, not started yet. Well, we have started because church is family. It's not just a meeting. Church is about life. It's about connecting. It's about knowing one another. I believe that when we get to heaven, I will not be married given in marriage to my wife. I think there'll only be one marriage in heaven. I believe it's Jesus and the bride. Because there's only one family in heaven. It's all his family. So therefore, I would say there's a danger that we only think our own little family. In Africa, they say this, it takes a whole village to raise a child. I would say it takes a whole church to raise a child. So that's why we want to come and enjoy and celebrate families today. Because actually, I think surely what we're saying is we've got to try and model something of what it's to think bigger. So if you're part of this church, then I would say include other people from the church in your family life. 
It shouldn't just be, oh, well, there's, there's five of us at home. I don't, I don't know about you, you know, my table and chairs, it came with six. So I could always invite one person around for dinner. I could make the three kids stand. There you go. I could invite four people around for dinner. But suddenly you think, why don't we think bigger than just ourselves? I think even when people come around for dinner, I think the danger is, if we're honest, parents, sometimes we sort of just leave our kids to their own thing. We engage in conversation. I think, let's involve our kids in it. I know Sophia's a little bit young at the moment. But actually, when they're older, they can lay the table. They can help on the cooking. Great, mine can help on the washing up. You know what I'm saying? But there's a sense of, we want to be hospitable together. I think what we have to try and do is we have to get a, avoid this mentality as Christians that it's just our own family. We're self-contained and self-sufficient. I think we're part of the bigger family, the church. Nikki and I have always found it helpful to have a couple in the church that are like that life stage ahead of us that you can just quiz them on. So, you know, I'll be honest, my, my oldest is going to be 18 in September. My daughter is going to be 16 in July, and my youngest is now 14. So I'm already quizzing people whose kids have left home. I think often people that I've known, and just say, how did you find it? How much rent can you charge them? And when? No, you know what I'm saying. But you just think, what's the next stage that I should be looking at? How can I learn? I don't need it on my own. I think as, as a family, part of the church, we can ask others for advice and encouragement. I think as a church, I want us to provide support. I think if you're a single parent, I think I want us to be providing support. And you just think, God, I'd like someone else to get involved. I'd love us as a church to be involved. If you travel lots and think, God, I'm missing them, I'd love us as a church to be involved in families. If your kids are physically demanding, behaviorally challenging, you think, well, actually, why can't we be a family that works that out together? The Bible seems to say, actually, we're all part of this family, the church. Even inviting people to come and live with you. I know our family, Ed, Edward, lived with us for a month last year. My kids absolutely love it. I guess I don't tell them off quite as much because there's always somebody there. But actually, they just enjoy engaging. It's just another personality. I sometimes think as well, we, we want to model what we believe families to be. I think I want my kids to get this picture of the big family, the church as well. I know that I'm, if you're not aware, I'm the pastor of the church. I lead the church. That's my full-time paid job. And obviously my wife, we're one, so you get two for the price of one in this church, and she's often turning up and doing stuff as well. But what I really love is last Sunday, I had nothing to do at the meeting, and my wife had nothing to do, but all my three kids were here serving. I think, well, I want them to get that kind of vision for the church. So I'm still having to get up and get here early, cause I think, but I think that's great. I want them to understand something of the bigger family. I love the fact that Mark and Abby that lead a small group here have got two of my teenagers in their group because they just enjoy connecting. So I think children are a blessing from God, number one. Number two, think big family sometimes, not just small family. Number three, I'm just going to read another passage from the Bible. We believe the Bible is God's word and it's got loads to say to us. This is Ephesians 6, 1 to 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you, and you may enjoy long life on the earth. 
Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. What's the third thing that I would want to say? I, I believe that our families should represent and model something of the gospel. What do I mean by this? I believe that the only thing in the Bible that children are told to do is to obey. Now stick with me, because some of you, that, that's a four-letter word, and our parents told us not to use four-letter words. What do I mean? The family shows you how good it is to live under the rule and the reign of God. In our society, rule and reign is always considered a negative thing. We want freedom. We want liberation. But actually, I think here, these verses are taken from where Moses has just shared the commandments. I think actually what it's trying to say is that if you uh, welcome the rule of God, you'll get blessing in your life. If you reject the rule of God, there's often judgment. Families that live under the rule of God, you know, I think we can know something of the blessing of God. We can learn to live alongside one another. Whereas otherwise, I think if we reject the rule of God, if we reject obeying God, there's chaos, conflict, and destruction. I think the family should be the place where we model something of what the gospel is, that actually we acknowledge that God is Lord. Children are to obey their parents. So I look back, and it's funny because you suddenly think, oh God, I feel really old now. I look back and I think, I made a mistake raising my kids. We used to have this thing, I would count to three. You know what I'm saying? You used to say, well, actually, I'd like you to do this, and I'm going to count to three. And, you know, I have to be very careful now. that edit. And, you know, in those days, if you didn't count, you got a smack. You know, <clears throat> I shouldn't really say that word anymore. But we used to say, right, I'm going to count to three. One, two, three. And I'd expect them not to run across the road because I counted to three. I'd expect them to come to the hall and put their shoes on or something. I'd counted to three. Well, I think that was a wrong thing to do. Because what I told them was, don't obey straight away. You've got to the count of three. It's almost like you can just think about what I said for a moment. Actually, you're going to have to bend the knee in a minute. But you know, if you just want to back off and we'll have a little face, it's all right. You've got to the count of three. But after three, you're mine. And I think that's a bad thing. I don't think it ever says in the Bible, hey, let's just count it out. And I think the danger is then that when God asks to do something, we think, when are you going to start counting? <laughs> I want to think about it. I'm not sure I want to do it straight away. <laughs> One, no, two, no, no. Oh, go on then, all right. And I don't think we're obeying with the right heart. And I think if there's one thing that I would encourage, I think it's we need to encourage kids to obey. Partly, I think this helps them realize that they're not the center of attention. I, I'm a trained teacher. And uh, we, we used to have something called child-centered education when I trained to be a primary school teacher. So what's the child want to do? And where's the child going? I want to say something. Actually, I'm not sure the child is the center. I think God is the center. And I would even say this, that you teach your kids that. I don't know why I keep looking down here. I know there's other families around. Leon, you teach your kids that by saying, one night a week, you're going to go to bed early because mummy and daddy want to have candles and we're just going to have our own dinner together. We're going to invest in our marriage. I've done that with my kids. Every Monday night, they went to bed early, even when they were three and four. It's like, quick story, in you go. That was my turn to put them to bed. You know what I'm just going to say? There's none of this lovey-dovey stuff. Right, we're done. Right, I'm downstairs, candles on the table. I've got time with your mother. 
when there's six, seven and eight, I say, well, I know it's not bedtime, yet you can't come in the kitchen because we're just going to have a nice meal to you. Actually, by investing in one another, they suddenly realize it wasn't always all about them. And I think that teaches something about the gospel. I think, actually, uh, we genuinely believe that God made heaven and earth, and it's all about him. Now, another way we demonstrate this as families is that we should show that God's rule is not only good, because I believe it is, but we should show that it is gracious. You see, often people don't like the idea of a king ruling because it's not good news for the enemy. If the king comes along, the enemy's going to suffer because he's the king. But with God, we know that's different. Because when Jesus came, he suffered on the cross, which is why we sing about it. So the king suffered so that the enemy can be forgiven. And that's the wonderful news about Jesus. And therefore, I think when Jesus talks about God, he talked about the prodigal son. Some of you might know that story. There's, a, there's this guy that basically says, actually, I want my share of the inheritance now. What he was really saying is, Dad, I despise you and I wish you were dead. His dad graciously gave him half the money. He goes off and blows it on po- prostitutes and parties. He suddenly ends up eating pigs. That was a real offense if you were a Jew. You know what I'm saying? He wants to f- eat the pig's food. He decides to go back to his father, not as a son, but says, could I be a slave? And the Bible says that actually the father saw him from a long way off, ran towards him. Some people think he ran because the others in the village would have been criticizing the son, might have spat at him, kicked at him. But the father thought, I want to get there first, and I want to put my arms around him. The son should have fallen at the father's feet, but instead the father just kissed him. The son never even said sorry. That's how gracious our God is. He gave a robe to cover the shame. He gave a ring to say, look, you're part of the family. This is family authority. Stamp that. He gave him shoes which said, you're no longer a slave, but now you're a son. That's the father we come before. Extravagant. He welcomes wayward children. You may be here this morning and think, I'm a long way from God. Well, I think family should demonstrate that God is gracious. And if you turn towards him, he'll run around with his arms for you. So the family, we want to focus on the fact that children are a gift from God. We want to focus on the fact that actually we want to think big family, and we want to think actually the family represents something of the gospel, which is good news to us. Tim Chester read a very helpful book from him this week. He says, good parenting is not about adopting certain techniques. It's about living as part of God's story and letting God's good news shape your values, attitude, and behavior. I'd like to ask the question for these three families, but I'd like to ask it for all of us. What do we really want from our kids in life? Great education? Running around lots of clubs and activities? The latest gadgets? The best far-flung holidays? Or do we want them to know something of Jesus? The treasure hidden in the field that they gave everything for? Paul says his desire would be this that we know Jesus. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I might gain Christ. 
I would say this. If you're a parent, the best thing, surely, you want for your kids is for them to know God. And if you're here today and you don't know him, we'd love to introduce you. It's not some big owner's heavy thing. It will cost you everything. It's not just some easy thing, but it's well worth exploring. You might want to come on Wednesday night and ask your questions. You might want to talk and pray with someone today. I know that Abby and the band are going to lead us in a song. So just while they get ready, I would like to pray for every family. Now, I'm not going to ask you to stand because I think it will be all of us. We're all part of a family, aren't we? But I'm going to pray for every family representative. Father, I want to thank you that you love children, you love families. I want to pray now for every family here. I pray every parent sees their child as a gift from you. Lord, when it's tough, the terrible twos or the tantrums of teenagers, we still want to see our children as a gift from you. I pray that we'll enjoy something of the bigger family, the church, together. And I pray that our families will be caught up in the gospel, the good news, the living story of a generous king who wants to bring blessing to others. We ask this in your name. Amen.